0: Welcome back to the Dante's Divine Comedy Podcast. Hope you're having a great morning, great day. Maybe a coffee if it's early for you. My name is Richard. I will be your host today. And first of all, a huge thanks to all our new listeners on this podcast and also our Patreon supporters who are funding this podcast. And in this episode, we're going to keep talking about the context for the first epistle, the first letter from Dante to the Cardinal Niccolò da Prato in 1304. So... This is very packed with events we had in the previous episode. We covered the period from the early days of 1300 until June 15, when Dante is elected a prior, like a member of this governing uh, council of just six priors for two months at a time of the city of Florence. And then we also went through the backdrop of the two families of the feuding f- rivaling families of Cerchi and Donati who then import this other family feud in Pistoia with the Cancellieri, and then they their feud in the in the Neri and the Bianchi is then imported and then the Donati become the Neri and the Cerchi become the Bianchi. So now in this episode we're going to look at the events from Dante is the Prior then in the summer of 13, and what happens uh, about one year and four months from there. So again, the context of this starting point now is the feuding families of the Cerchi and Donati, and Dante as a newly elected prior. So during Dante's term as a prior, there was one very important event, which is there was a visit from Cardinal Matteo d'Aquasparta he was sent as a legate from Pope Boniface VIII. And the reason for this was then stated to be to avoid the Ghibellines to get into power in Florence again, as the Guelphs now were in a state of a violent conflict, kind of a, a civil war within the party of the Guelphs with the white and the black Guelphs. So also just for a bit more context there, so the, there were only 22 cardinals at the time, and Pope Boniface is also kind of the pinnacle of this uh, this papacy that came after the great schism which then kind of amassed more and more power and authority and there is a a, a peak in how they saw themselves with Boniface in 1302 he he uh, he publishes this uh, edict of unam sanctam where he states that every single human being on the planet is under the authority of the of the Roman Catholic Church so, like Boniface is a very, uh, very strong force in the events that is now going to unfold, and also Florence population at the time is estimated to be around seventy or eighty thousand people. Uh, over twenty thousand were engaged in some sense in the in the business of wool making, which makes the the art of the of the wool kind of the, the craft of the wool a natural uh, natural part of the seven major guilds at the time. So, Cardinal D'Aquasparta, he is coming, he's arriving in June, he's received with respect and honor, but then he asks for full powers to reconcile the Florentines. So he, and he wants to do this through dividing the government equally between the Neri and the Bianchi. And this is something that the Bianchi is refusing as they are already in power of the city, and they start to mistrust the Cardinal, like right from the start. And they suspect that this is a plot from the Pope, from Boniface, to take away their power. And then what happens on June 24th, so this is just like nine days into Dante's priorate, on the eve of St. John, there's a possession of the arts and the guilds in the city, moving towards the church of San Giovanni. And then they're attacked and beaten with the cries of, we are they who defeated the enemy of Campaldino and you have deprived us of the offices and honors of our city. So this is then pointing to the Neri's and to the Donati. The Campaldino is a battle in 1289. So uh, one of the main battles between the Gulfs and Ghibellines, this huge conflict in the 1200s, where also Dante participated as a soldier in this battle of Campaldino in 1289. He was then 24 years old. So after this attack on the procession of the guilds the priors, and then among them are now Dante, uh, they took counsel with some of the citizens and then they decide to banish the heads of each party, the neri and the bianchi. So this is how they solve this, this uh, growing tension and brewing conflict and also violent conflict. So what they do is that from the neri they banish Corso Donati, the head of it, Sinibaldo Donati, and then also many other peoples, Rosso Rosalina della Tosa, Giaconotto, Pazzo di Pazzi, which is also a very important family, and others. And they were banished to the Castel della Pieve. From the Bianchi, they banish some of the Cerchi, and uh, also Guido Cavalcanti, and uh, Baschiera della Tosa, Naldo Gerardini, and some others. And they are banished to Sarzana. So what happens then is that the Bianchi, they leave immediately, but the Neri is then refusing at first. In part, probably because the head of the Neri, Corso Donati, he was banished, but not the head of the Bianchi. And it's also thought, as an aside here, that if the Neri had taken up arms that day, they would have been able to take the city. As there was a big army on its way from Lucca, one of the neighboring cities in Tuscany, who were then turned back by the threats of the priors. But probably if the priors had not been in control uh, of the city at that time, they might have come and, and uh, helped the neri and then take control, full control over the city. So with this attack on the procession and the refusal of the neri, the scheme of the cardinal and the pope to elevate the neri is now seen as clearly revealed to the Bianchi. And then someone shoots an arrow at the window of the Bishop Palace, where the Cardinal is staying, which then leaves him so terrified that he moves to Altrarno, just means like (laughs) over the Arno, like on the other side of Florence, in the house of Tommaso de Mozzi, and then he leaves the city under an interdict, meaning uh, like a sentence debarring a personal place from ecclesiastical functions. So then Florence now seemed to be fully controlled by the Bianchi again, with the cardinal out of the city, and then the banished Bianchi returned to, from Sarasana under the claims that it was too unhealthy. And among these were then Guido Cavalcanti, that we mentioned in the last episode, Dante's first friend, as he states in the Vita Nuova. Cavalcanti comes back ill, and then he dies on the 27th or 28th of August the same year. So what happens now in the following months is that the Neri are recalled from their banishment except from Corso Donati, the head of the Neri, who had now gone to Rome and Anagni, the seat of Pope Boniface, to suggest sending a prince from France to Tuscany to put the Neri's into power. So we're kind of lifting it up one level here. And then also Anagni is about one hour southwest of Rome and that was the papal seat for several popes. And then it was presented to Boniface uh, as that the Ghibellines were in power again, and it was becoming a stronghold of the Colonna family, which were enemies of Boniface. So Boniface then promises the aid of the French prince Charles of Valois, who is the brother of King Philip the Fair. Already here it's very interesting to note that there's a much bigger game also going on here because the French king and and the pope were superpowers at the time. And they were also very much in a brewing conflict, uh, especially as Boniface, which was trying to expand the power of, of the papacy and the papal states as kind of a territorial power, and was increasingly um, making an enemy out of the French king. So it's an intricate little game here that they're playing with then getting the help from a French prince, and you can also see the French king's interest in sending one of his princes into the territory close to the Pope. So, meanwhile, this is happening in Rome with Donati and Boniface. In Florence, there is another event, which is that the leaders of the Neri, the captains of the Black Guelves, and many of the citizens, they are meeting in the church of Santa Trinita to regain their power. But this plot is discovered, and then the leaders of the Neri were banished again. And during these times, after the pirate, Dante remains active in the public and political life of Florence. So we have some documentations on this. For example, on the 13th and 14th of April in 1301, he is voting in the council of the Capitudini, the heads of the arts, and the other Sapientes, on the manner of the election of the Signoria. And then also on the 28th of April, the same year, by decree of six officials of Florentine streets, he and a notary, Sir Guglielmo della Piagentina, were entrusted with enlarging and restoring the street of San Procolo from Borgo della Piagentina to the little stream of the Africo. Such as a little more of the small, small scale politics of Florence. But then there comes another big one, and this is on June 19th, on 1301. So this is one year after it comes the next summer, and you have all these growing, growing tensions in Florence, and also with how Rome is starting to engage now and pulling in the French, uh, the French royals. So then, on this date, the June the 19th, with two meetings in the Council of the Hundred, Dante votes against granting the Pope an auxiliary troop of 100 soldiers, for which he had asked. And uh, This vote, which was in the minority, is then afterwards used as an accusation against Dante. So this is part of the process against Dante that comes just a little bit later. And on September 13th, he again votes... Uh, we don't know if it's in the affirmative or negative, in the assembly of all the councils, on the measure to be taken for the maintenance of the ordinances of justice and the statutes of the people. So this is just a little bit of of what we know about Dante from his uh, prior and then until September the next year. So, when the news of the events in Rome with Donati and Boniface and the French prince Charles of Valois reaches Florence, the Bianchi starts to fear losing the power and having to divide the offices of the city with the Neri. So in September 1301, Charles of Valois arrives at Anagni, the papal seat outside of Rome, and is received with uh, honor by the Pope and the Cardinals, and he's made count of Romania. Valois' planned campaign to Sicily is then delayed until the next spring, and Boniface directs him towards Florence instead. And also you can note that Valois had already passed Florence, coming from Lucca and going down to Rome. And then we come to a very big date, which is November 1st, 1301. This is the All Saints' Day, November 1301, when Prince Charles of Valois enters Florence with 500 French soldiers, plus all the people who had joined him, exiles and others from Tuscany, Romania and Florence. So with this entrance, we are coming into a new n- new phase, a new part of the history and the background for this letter that we're still kind of focusing on, uh, but also a very um, seismic event in Florence history and in, in what's going to happen with Dante and his life from here. So we're going to talk more about that in the next episode. So this is kind of the little intermezzo between Dante's rise to political power and then until the French prince enters militarily the city in November the 1st. So hope some of this was interesting. A little bit um, more of this historical context to understand what shaped Dante in his, so this is in his 30s, and what eventually leads up to his writing of the Divine Comedy. So, hope you're still having a great day and uh, maybe a coffee if you're still early. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening and see you again in another episode.